One of the things that Carrie and I enjoy doing in the summer is going kayaking. We don't have a lot of opportunity to do it a ton, but when we do, um, there's almost nothing better than being able to spend some time on the lake and enjoy a beautiful summer day in Minnesota. Sometimes what we'll do even is paddle our kayaks out to the middle of the lake. We'll, we'll tie them together and we'll spend a while just sitting out there talking. Sometimes we might even bring lunch. But one of the things that you know if you've ever been on a lake or a body of water is that when you're there, you don't stay in one place very long. In fact, when you're out on the water, if you're out on a kayak, if you're out on a boat, one of the things that's going to happen is you are going to drift. And there has been more than one time where Carrie and I, after a while, have looked up and noticed that we were not anywhere close to where we had started. Now, I was thinking about it. You know, what's true about being on the water is also true about life. And put it this way, we all have the tendency to drift in life. We have the tendency to drift um, in our health, in our relationships, with our emotions. Life just keeps moving. Life does not stay stagnant. And so not only do we have the tendency to drift, the other thing that's true is that we rarely drift in a good direction. When we drift, when we mindlessly just allow life, the current of life to take us, it's very rare that it's in a good direction. I mean, think about your health for a moment. How often has it happened in your life that you just accidentally drifted into being healthy and fit? Like, has it ever happened that you woke up, looked in the mirror and said, man, you look really good. I don't know how that happened. Or man, where did those washboard abs come from? I suppose maybe a 17-year-old might get those on accident. But there's no adult in history that has ever just drifted into being fit. In fact, it takes intention. It takes work. It takes habits. In fact, when we drift in the area of health, we don't drift in a good direction. We drift towards bad eating habits or being overweight. Um, I've never met a couple, personally, that just accidentally drifted into having an amazing relationship, where they just kind of accidentally get along really well and communicate really well and are accidentally on the same page with finances and children and schedules. To thrive in a marriage, it takes work. It takes habits. And when you drift, you tend to drift in a direction that isn't healthy. You tend to drift away from each other. And so like we said, we all have the tendency to drift and we rarely drift in a good direction. So I have a question for you. How often do people just drift towards a stronger relationship with God? You see, we're daily battling this current. 
It's the current of culture, and it has a ton, a ton to say about success and relationships and money and forgiveness and sex and priorities and on and on and on. And the current of culture, let me tell you, does not take you closer to God and his will for your life. The current of culture will force you to drift away from God and away from his will and away from the love of Jesus if we're not aware of it, if we're not being careful of it. And and make sure you understand what I'm trying to say here. I'm not saying that we should sort of blame culture and take no responsibility. You see, yes, culture has the tendency to make us drift, but we can't blame culture. We need to take ownership. We can't blame culture any more than you can blame a couch for not exercising or blame ice cream for not having good eating habits. We need to take ownership. It's, it's our decisions. It's our direction. It's, it's our waywardness and sin. But it's, it's good for us to know the landscape of the life that we live. And, and that leads us to our first fill-in for today, that there is a current pulling on you every day. It wants you to drift further from God, not closer. Uh, Today, we're starting a two-part series that I'm really excited about. It's called um, Circle Up. And what I want you to think about with that imagery of a circle is I want you to think about uh, people sitting in a circle where they can see each other and they're having real conversations with each other. What we're going to be talking about is how important it is in our lives to have people that we can circle up with. And not just anybody, because you know, like I know, that not every person is a good influence or has the the best encouragement for us or will tell us what we need to hear. We're talking about circling up with, with people who have the same faith, the same hope, the same Savior, the same Lord. And so one of the things that's true is that when it comes to culture, believe it or not, there's a close connection between the people in your life and drift. So we talked about this already, that the the current of culture has the power to pull you away from God. And I'm sure you know this, but it's not just Americans in 2023 that struggle with this current. Uh, 2,000 years ago, there were a bunch of Christians who lived around the Mediterranean Sea, and they lived at a time and in a culture where also the current of culture was taking them away from God. And not only was it directing them away from God, but they actually lived at a time when culture was persecuting Christians in a big way, even, even at times uh, causing them to die, killing Christians. 
And what it seems like when you look at this, this book written to Hebrew Christians around the Mediterranean, it, it looks as if at the beginning of their time in faith, they had done a really good job at paddling against the current, at staying anchored to Christ. In fact, I, I thought it might be interesting to read some words uh, in Hebrews that kind of describe that time in their faith life. From chapter 10, verse 32, it says, Remember those earlier days after you received the light or immediately after you came to faith and knew that Jesus was your Savior? Remember those days? Remember when you, in those days, stood your ground in a great contest? You weren't going to be moved by the current of culture or what people thought in a great contest in the face of suffering? In fact, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. And so this is how things were for these Hebrew Christians. But then things started to change. And the current stayed strong, but these Christians in many ways did not. And so this writer to the Hebrews gives some really practical advice to these Christians from 2,000 years ago, but truly for us today. Here's what he says, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope in Jesus that we profess for he who promised is faithful. The first thing he makes really clear is that it's important for us not to drift. It's important for us to work as hard as we can to not live our lives swervingly. <laughs> it makes me think of the, the first time I drove a car on a two-lane highway as a 16-year-old. I remember uh, going a little bit too close to the middle lane line, and then I would compensate and then go too close to the shoulder. And I don't know if it was quite this bad, but it felt like I was just going back and forth. You know how I was driving as a 16-year-old? Um, I was driving swervingly. The writer to the Hebrews, God also, he directs us and wants us to live our faith lives in not the way a 16-year-old like me drove a car for the first time. He doesn't want us to be pulled back and forth by the current of culture or whatever is in or however modern day thinkers are thinking because what's gonna happen is we're gonna go back and forth, back and forth. And unfortunately, if we go back and forth enough, using the same illustration, we might eventually just kind of fall off the road altogether. It's important for us to hold unswervingly. And then he gives us this advice, verse 24. So let us consider, let us think about, let us stop and contemplate Let's be intentional with what? How we may spur one another on towards love. Remember what Jesus said would be the identity of Christians in our age, that people would be able to tell who we are 
by our love, to spur one another on toward love and good deeds, following God's direction for our lives, following God's will. And I want you to know, this word spur, it's not a comfortable word. It's not a word necessarily that incites an activity that always feels good. Literally in the Greek, it means to irritate, to confront, um, to, to say the truth. Uh, and what this writer is saying is that is this. It, it's, it's important to have people in our lives who can be real with us. It's important that we have, the writer says, people in our lives who are not just there to tell us what we want to hear, but sometimes are willing to do a little spurring, a little irritating, not because they don't love us, but because they do and are willing to tell us not just what we want to hear, but are willing to share and direct us with what we need to hear. Doesn't always feel good, does it? Makes me, me think about maybe a circumstance that you've been in before. Have you ever uh, gone to a party and there was something about your appearance that wasn't the way you wanted it to be, but you had no idea? Like maybe there was a little bit of ketchup on your face or maybe there was some lettuce in between your teeth. No one wants there to be lettuce in between their teeth, let me tell you. No one wants there to be ketchup on their face during a party where you're with a whole bunch of people. And as uncomfortable as it may be, we're thankful for the type of friend at that party who's willing to tell us, hey, dude, you got ketchup on your face. Wash it off, man. We don't like to hear it. We don't want to have that on our face, but we're thankful. We're thankful when people tell us. It's important to have people in our lives who can be real with us. It's important to have people in our lives um, where we talk about more than just work or the weather or the Vikings. It's important to have people in our lives with whom we can talk about faith in Jesus, sin, and forgiveness. The writer of the Hebrews is telling us it's important to have people in our lives who know the victories that we're going through so that they can celebrate with us and also who know the challenges that we're going through so they can comfort us and pray with us. It's important to have people in our lives who know us well enough to know when we might need a word of encouragement or maybe even, maybe even a hug. And it's important to have people in our lives who know us well enough who also know when it's needed for us to receive a word of truth. It's uncomfortable when someone tells us that we have ketchup on our face. 
But you know what's worse? What's worse is when no one tells you at all. So, where do we find friends like this that will spur and even encourage? The writer goes on. See, these Christians didn't need to look too far. He says, so let us not give up meeting together, Christians, as some were at that time in the habit of doing, but let us are encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. One of the big problems that the writer to the Hebrews saw in these people as they kind of drifted and weren't standing strong like he had written about them at the beginning is that they became, well, more and more isolated from each other. They weren't prioritizing the coming together as people with the same faith. They were living life on their own. And that was not good for them. It was not helpful to them. In fact, I'm going to say it this way in our second fill-in, that the Christian life, the life of following Jesus because of what he has already done for us, the Christian life was not meant to be lived in isolation. So let me ask you this question. Do you have people in your life who will spur you on towards love and good deeds? And I'm not just talking about your family, although for some of us, we're blessed with a family like that. I'm talking about people outside of our immediate family. Do you have people in your life where, and by the way, This doesn't happen overnight. This happens with time, but that you've been investing in them with your time and they've been investing in you so that as time goes on, you become more and more comfortable in sharing things that you wouldn't normally share with other people over a cup of coffee or something like that. Do you have people in your life who have the same hope in Jesus, the same perspective about life and what's important that if you were going through something or if they were, you would feel comfortable talking to them about it, that you would feel comfortable encouraging them or saying, hey, can I pray for you about that? Here's a question. How does the church fit into all of this? Well, you know, when when people think of the blessing of church, I think that most of the time what they think about first is what happens on the weekend at church. And there's a lot of blessing to what we get to do on the weekend. What you are doing right now as you're watching this message or uh, maybe participating in the entire worship service today When we gather together on the weekend, we receive the blessing of being able to to sing songs of praise to God, uh, digging into God's word and receiving gospel encouragement and direction. Uh, We get to take communion together. 
after the service, we get to <laughs> even enjoy some coffee together and maybe have some quick conversation out there or a quick hello or talk about your fantasy football team. But do you know what doesn't happen very easily at church when you just make it about the weekend or it's just sitting in rows at a worship service? The things that don't happen are actually all the things that the writer to the Hebrews is talking about in these verses. Which leads us to our third fill-in. See, gathering in circles. I talked about what that was before. People in a circle, talking with each other, gathering together over time. Gathering in circles is better than just sitting in rows. Gathering with a small group of people and getting to, to know them is better than the anonymity that comes with just making church about a worship service. And again, the worship service is absolutely important. But in a world where there is constant current of culture that will force us or cause us or give us the tendency to drift, it's so important that we have deeper relationships with people who are willing to spur us on, who are willing to give us encouragement. You see, you need the encouragement and accountability of other Christians. And so that's why at North Cross, for almost 15 years, Probably what I would say, well, is one of the most vital ministries at our church is what we call groups or small groups. Um, there are different types of groups. Uh, starting point is a, is a group for people who are just starting to get to know North Cross, who are brand new. Uh, we have now increasingly uh, more uh, short-term groups that take a topic and meet together for one or two months and just start to scratch the surface of getting to know each other. The, the groups that I'm thinking about, though, are, are the groups that we have that stay together for a year or two years or even longer. There are groups of Christians who gather together, not on Sunday morning at North Cross, but in homes across the metro, and even some across the country online, who gather together in groups of eight to 12 people, who uh, meet two to three times a month, who enjoy snacks together when they meet, and conversation about football. <laughs> but who also study the Bible together, pray together, encourage each other. Yes, sometimes even spur each other on in love and good deeds. These are the environments that all of us need because the world is filled with a current of culture that gets us to want or accidentally more so even drift away 
from God and his will for our lives. And it's so important to have people in our lives who know us and know when we might be drifting and know when we might need to be encouraged. You see, while these people in our lives, these friends uh, can be a great encouragement, that's just because what we really need, what we really need in a drifting world is Jesus. You see, the, the anchor that we need the most is Jesus. He is our direction. When we feel pulled back and forth by what the world or culture says is right or wrong, He is our hope. When we feel pushed by the waves of this world that want us to think that the future is hopeless. He is our peace that anchors us even in the midst of the most difficult hardship or the most intense guilt that we might be facing. What he did for us, Jesus, what he did for us on the cross through his death in our place and his resurrection that proved our sins were forgiven, it is the anchor that we need. And then he gives to us a church filled with people who have that same anchor, have that same hope. What a blessing it is when we're intentional with encouraging each other. So our last fill-in for today is kind of your to-do, your takeaway for this message, and that's this. If you're not already in Christian community, in a small group, I'd encourage you to join one. I'd like you to join a group. Now, if you're just considering this, there's a very easy next step we have, and we're gonna talk even more about this next week. But the very easy next step is to go to the main page of our website, scroll down to the circle that says community, click on it, and then just let us know that you are interested in either getting connected to a group or learning more about a group that might be right for you. My... Uh, Oldest son, he uh, worked all summer at a Christian camp in Wisconsin. And one of the times that I was talking with him, he uh, told me that while he was there, one of the things he did uh, was he swaked. And I'm, my reaction is probably the same as yours. Like, what? do you mean? What does it mean to swake? Well, as you might expect, a lot of camps have their own camp lingo. And I quickly found out that what swake means is to swim across the lake. That's a swake when you swim across, when you swim across the lake. Sounds like a great workout. It also sounds kind of dangerous swimming across a medium-sized lake. You never know when you might cramp up or you might lose strength. So in order to swake at this camp, you have to take a life preserver with you. 
but there's another rule. No one's allowed to swake unless someone else is swaking with them. You can't go alone. If something happens, you want someone there with you. When you get tired, there's someone there to help encourage you and you encouraging them. It's better when you're not swaking alone. (laughs) It's better to not live your faith alone. And so when the writer to the Hebrews saw that there were these Christians who were getting weakened by the current of culture, he told them, let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but instead let's encourage each other all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this church. We thank you for the opportunity to be strengthened and directed and encouraged by the word. Lord, we also thank you that the church is much more than just a service. We thank you that there are people in this church that have the same hope, the same faith, the same savior, the same future. And Lord, I I pray that you work in us today an increased desire to either find that community through groups or for those of us who are already in groups to grow that accountability, to grow the bonds of friendship that are found in those groups. And Lord, I pray that you would bless, bless your people through it. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.